Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow, and welcome to another episode of Tech Takeaways. Uh, as always, I am joined by my uh, dynamic co-host, uh, Jason Fitzgerald. Hi. And Wayne Miller. Hi. So, guys, welcome back to the Tech Takeaway Thank studio. Thank you very much. Good to um, be here. Nice so, to be back. Uh, yeah. uh, indeed. It's nice to be anywhere, I, I tend to find. Um, so, on this week's show, this, this was um, this is an episode I, I wanted to kind of have a chat with you about over um, something that somebody sent me. So, somebody sent me a blog post regarding multi-factor authentication. And one of the bits of feedback on the blog post was, could we make it a bit more enterprisey? Um, and I thought, well, that's, that, that makes a good question, um, you know, in terms of, well, what's the difference between MFA for personal use and MFA in the enterprise. So it felt like it'd make a, make a good chat. So okay. that's what yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about. I didn't know there was a difference, so... And a nice, yeah. Yeah, nicely seeded question. I like that. <laughs> um, so maybe before we talk about that, maybe just for people who don't know, do we want to talk about what MFA is full stop? Maybe, Jace, do you want to yeah, take that? Yeah, I, I think we probably need to cover that, yeah. So, I mean, MFA, multi-factor authentication, is probably something that people have been aware of for, for a while and, and probably used it without realising that they're using it. So it's the idea that when you come to log into a service, uh, I'm going to pick on Amazon uh, in this case, you go to log into Amazon and it will say, go and type in the code that we've just sent to your mobile phone. Okay. We've just texted you your mobile phone. So even though you're logging in on your laptop, you've typed in your username, you've typed in your password, it then says, we're going to send you something through to confirm you are who you say you are. Because without the MFA or the second stage, uh, the, the, the second factor, anyone with just a username and password can get in. Adding that second entry makes things a lot more secure. Okay. Yeah, and, and so why why do we need that second entry? Where, you know, what, what's the what's the bit that's missing? Are, are we saying usernames and passwords on their own are a little bit insecure? Yeah, I think that well, we've we've been saying that for a long time. Yeah, I, I I think that's the thing. You know, I mean, when when we look at usernames and passwords, they can be cracked. You know, if if you've got a single factor, you know, you can guess people's email addresses. You can maybe guess their password, but you can certainly crack the password having that second factor where, say, for example, uh, your phone pings and says, scan your fingerprint in to be able to authenticate against this service proves that not only is this something that you know, as in the username or password, it's it's something that you are, as in, I am my fingerprint. So I'm fingerprinting it. So it's proving it's the person that it should be and we're testing that it's the person that it should be as well. Yeah. So I think you make a really good point, actually, about that kind of evolution of MFA. So, you know, one of the, because you gave the example before about Amazon. So, you yeah. know, the idea that you go in and they'll send you a one-time code as a text message, and we can talk about whether as text messages is a good idea or not. But let's for now, yeah. let's pretend they are. Okay. Um, or do you spo- not? Yeah, spoiler. Um, we'll pretend they <laughs> oh, are dear. for now. Um, so they send you a text message and that yeah. allows you to log in, um, you know, and, and that gives you that element of, additional security in terms of, um, you know, as a way of making sure that it's definitely you, like you said, it's something that you know, it's something that you have in terms of, you know, I've, I've got this key, I can type that in, that reduces the risk of it, just somebody with your username and password. But then you start talking about things like using biometrics and, you know, so that, and that's part of how this stuff's evolving, isn't it? Because, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about, because, uh, you know, you, you asked the question, Wayne, in terms of, well, how is using to access Amazon shopping, how's how's that different from how we might use MFA in the enterprise? And I think we start to see some different things that when we start to use MFA in the enterprise, you know, the, the technology is mm. the same, yeah. but the approach sometimes has to be different, you know. So, so what are some of the things that you see 
when we look at rolling out MFA inside of an enterprise? So whenever you do anything at scale, it introduces challenges. You know, if we're looking at um, an individual setting up MFA on their home Amazon account, for example, it's fairly straightforward. How do we do the same thing for a different service, an IT service that the enterprise managers across, say, 5,000 users? That takes planning, takes preparation, but it takes kind of um, buy-in as well from from the end users. Um, we've we've typically seen kind of pushback around. I don't want to use my own personal device, you know. So organisations are encouraging users to have MFA on the account or or, or requiring it, um, but they're not issued with a mobile phone. So the easiest way to do MFA is an app on your phone, and 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 it's it's one of the most secure ways of doing it as well that we can receive the push notification. So the prompt on your phone comes up and then we scan our fingerprinted. Well, if users are then using their own personal mobile, we, we've seen compla- um, not, not complaints, but kind of pushback to say, I, I, don't, I don't want my employer to be scanning my fingerprint. You know, it's like a misconception that somehow because it's linked yeah. to an enterprise application, the, the employer is going to have their fingerprint on record or, and stuff like this. Um, and, and deployment can be challenging as well. You know, actually turning it on for a service that is already in use because... What, retrospectively you mean? Yeah, retrospectively enabling it um, because whenever you make a change like that, there is a there is a, a risk that if it's not done properly, you could lock people out of accounts or, you know, um, interrupt the streamlined way that they currently work. So so, well, if you think about that. actually, so you, you know, you've uh, re- recently this this grass weighing up, recently been on holiday, um, <laughs> and so you messaged me while you was away. He's one of those people who like to keep working when he's on holiday. I, I don't know, um, but anyway, he messaged me when he was away and saying about continually getting MFA prompts. Yeah, going. So part of the reason you was doing that, or, or you were getting those prompts, was because you was out of the country. Our setup is if you're out of the country, then we put additional controls in place. Um, you know, particularly if it's you, uh, we put additional controls in place. But interestingly, that kind of goes back to Jason's point about you know. So in in your case, you know, your feedback was. You know, because we, we talked about, well, okay, maybe we could change the sensitivity of that. But actually your response to me was, no, don't worry about that. I'd rather that I'm getting prompted yeah, yeah. because the security is more important. You know, and I think this is, goes back to, you know, if, if we take it from a stance that MFA is the right thing to do, you know, we started in, in your personal life. You know, if you've got the opportunity, I mean, one of my, it, it's my favourite hashtag is MFA yeah. all of the things. You know, if, if you've got the opportunity that when you're doing something in your personal life, if there's MFA on that account for whatever that service might be, make sure you've enabled it. So if we take for now that MFA is the right thing to be doing and let's just take that, then actually from an enterprise and business point of view, then we need to look at some of the ways of dealing with the, the issues you might get. So you make some great points there, Jace, in terms of, so what, what are we here? Well, one of those things is if people are using their own devices, maybe they don't want to install an application on their device for, mm-hmm. for work purposes. So, so that can be one thing. Um, there can be that piece about interrupting the general workflow. So suddenly people are getting prompted for something that they haven't been prompted for previously. So again, something that we, we have to think about, how, how do we deal with that? Um, there's a bit about people just don't like change. Um, but, but one of the things that I, I often hear, well, there's a couple of things I often hear, but one of them in particular is, from senior management, we'll talk about MFA and the importance of the security and making sure it protects your assets better. Mm. One of the things I'll get is that kind of pushback. Well, I don't want to upset my users, though. I don't really want to upset my users. You know, is, is, there, is there ways, what are the kind of things you can do to, to deal with that? 
Yeah, so I think that this kind of comes into the um, security buy-in of the overall organization. I think you know if the if the organization is clear, open, and honest with you know the the users of the system to say we're making it more secure. Um, we would we would like your cooperation while we do these things. Um, then taking that approach generally works out best, I think, uh, rather than just saying your you account's going to be prompted for MFA next week without any kind of rhyme or reason as to why that's the case, because then it's, well, why, why are you doing this? Is this just me? Where, you know, is something yeah, going on here? Communication, yeah, because I, I, I was sat here thinking, surely the benefits outweigh what you need to do, but the approach then is what you're saying is important. Yeah, exactly. If if the benefits aren't appreciated, then, you know, there's there, there can be some pushback with that. And and also, I mean, you know, we, we've spoken about MFA, all the things, but not all of the services that you're using may be natively capable of doing MFA. Um, so there's ways to enable that with using identity providers. So we, we've we've spoken a lot on this uh, podcast around Azure AD, which is now uh, Microsoft Entra. What Microsoft Entra allows you to do is essentially have a single sign-on, so a single username or password to multiple different uh, services. So if we take Dropbox, for example, and we, we look at a Microsoft Entra user, so a corporate user or an enterprise user, has got a login in Azure AD or Microsoft Entra, and you want to have that same login come over into Dropbox, we can link those two accounts so it does single sign-on between the two. So what, one username, password? For, for, for multiple a, services, is yeah. Is that not a risk, no? So... It's, it's actually more secure because where we look at services where they don't natively support MFA, okay. we can require it as part of the initial login through Microsoft because Microsoft do support MFA. So, okay. so one of the things that that does as well, so one of the big challenges you get around security, and we've talked about this kind of when we talked about password management and stuff, is the issue around identity lifecycle management. So if you imagine what an, a, an average business looks like, say even take ours as a small business, you know, we already have multiple software as a service offerings. You know, yes, we use Microsoft, we've got some other tools that we use, and these are all separate things. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that we were using a single identity platform, each of those platforms would have usernames and okay. passwords mm. that would be managed and maintaining. And then when somebody leaves the business or we bring a new starter in, you've got all of that process of trying to make sure, have I put, have I removed that user's identity from systems A, B, C, D and onwards? And that's sometimes a huge security risk around, you know, we see this quite a lot that you find these kind of dormant accounts sat within services where users who've long since left a business still have a username and password in a business in, in service because you haven't used it. So actually having all of those in a single identity platform means that I, you know, I, if you do it really well, the HR system in HR, they say person's going to leave, leaving in 30 days. On 30 days, it automates the removal of that account from other services. But we drift somewhere because that's a whole different, yeah. that's another <laughs> podcast episode. I don't want to burn two podcasts in one go because um, we need ideas. Um, but, you know, if we go back to kind of, you know, as we look to wrap it up, if we go back then to some of the things around, what do we see? So we see so we see pushback in terms of adoption of MFA inside of organisations, sometimes because users just don't want to do it. Sometimes senior management say, oh, well, I don't want to upset my users. There's some practical things, you know, yeah. things like how do I give those users a multi-factor device? Um, you know, so there's practical things about that. What are some of the things that from a, either from a business or from a technical point of view, what are some of the things that you could be doing 
to try and ease that transition and help to drive that MFA adoption? So for me, I think communicate often and communicate early with the changes. You know, if, if, if an organisation is looking to do an MFA, understand why and then get buy-in from everyone that will be involved in that early before you start to look to roll out any of it. You know, we're, the communication, it says clearly, we're looking to improve organisational security these are the things that we're looking at doing. This is the timeline that, you know, you might be impacted by the changes. I, I think that's the bigger one for me because once you start getting into technically deploying it, it's it's almost like too it's gone too far to be able to then communicate backwards. Communicate often, communicate early, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things for me with this is that when you enable MFA, you can be smart in the way you enable it as well. So yeah. you can be, so you can use your MFA and it can be much more context driven, much more dynamic. So we were talking about the example of you being away, which is why he's got shorts on, just wanted to show you his tan. Um, but, <laughs> and it's hot. Um, uh, yeah, but that, 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 yeah, we, we, we did say we wouldn't mention how hot it was because uh, when people are watching this in October and it's cold and raining. Um, but you know, one of the things with that was that was context driven. So the context of you getting prompted for MFA where you might not have got prompted before was it was an unusual location, specifically outside of the UK. Yeah. So we automatically applied an additional level of, of conditional access, if you wish, you know, additional level of condition, additional level of conditions, well, more well, conditions. Every application wanted to be approved every so many hours. And I didn't mind that yeah. because I just thought it's the best thing for the business. So, you know, part of me was like, this is a pain in the backside. Should we turn it off? But then that would be the wrong thing to do. Um, so, so you've got, so you've got the opportunity then with that, that to, to look at, well, can I be smart with that? So instead of demanding MFA all of the time for all of the applications is that we can look at conditions. So, you know, often when we're designing these kind of things, there's three conditions we can look at. We can look at a person, we can look at a location, we can look at a device. So, for example, if we absolutely trust all three of those things and we trust those things all of the time, then we could potentially allow them to come in without any additional authentication. Username and password is fine because we've got other things. We trust the user's behaviour. Yeah. We trust the device that they're on, so it's a device that we manage. We trust the location because it's a usual location. Now, in Microsoft terms, you can define what those locations are, but you can also learn what those locations are. So, okay. you know, you, that user logs on from that location all of the time, you know, every, you know, every Tuesday they log on from that location. So I'm now going to trust that location. But whenever that changes, then we apply an additional factor of authentication. And I find that actually if you couple that with good education around when you're going to get prompted and why you're going to get prompted, that can really help to, to drive adoption in, inside of a business. So, you know, I think I, th I think as we wrap up on this. Well, I was just going to say, you, 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 said, you mentioned a word before, passwordless. Passwordless. And I was okay. like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. What is passwordless? Logging without a password. But, yeah. But how is so, that? Is so, that retina? Is that facial scanning? Yeah, is it fingerprints? So th this is almost kind of the next step, I think, for MFA. I, th this, the way I see it is like this. We've got MFA and we prompt users for a second factor once they've input their password. Passwords are inherently insecure because it is a string of characters that allows you access into a system. So if that didn't exist and actually we're testing whether it's the correct user and we're proving that it's the user through, say, biometrics on a mobile phone, then that allows access to the system. So um, Microsoft have introduced passwordless. And Microsoft aren't the only ones to do this. Um, password, so banking, passwordless. So my banking is... is 
facial is that not possible well, i suppose it's a password first and then there's facial recognition so the, to get in the way that it looks to a, a user logging into a system that has been set up for passwordless so we'll take a desktop machine for example so a azure ad joined windows 11 machine for example so the user account set up with passwordless and you've got a mobile phone so when a user goes to that machine and, and types in a username it'll say i'm now prompting you on your mobile phone your phone will go off you provide your fingerprint or your face ID, however it is um, deemed necessary that you authenticate with that. And once you authenticate with that, your machine is then logged in. Okay. So it's it's kind of MFA, but without the passwords, but it, it is secure because we're testing, um, as Paul mentioned earlier, maybe we allow passwordless on trusted devices only, or we allow passwordless on trusted devices when they're in trusted locations and then we're testing whether it is the user as well. Um, so passwordless, I think, is, is we're going to see more and more of that as 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 we as we go forward. Um, it is becoming more popular, um, and and it is, I think, the next thing to come. I can I can only think of like a Bond film where they chop someone's finger off or take an eyeball out. You know, is, is this where yeah. cybersecurity the, yeah, absolutely. is going? The next, the next cybersecurity risk, but that's going to be for another episode. Okay. Um, yeah, how, how you dismember uh, dismember your target. Um, so look out for that episode coming soon here on Tech Takeaways. Um, well, look, guys, I think, you know, we've run a little long here, so, you know, that, 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 let's wrap this up here. But I think, you know, there's probably a couple of things that, that I think we, we kind of give people to take away from this. You know, I think one of those things, MFA, anyway, absolutely should. You know, if, yeah. if you can do MFA, you should be doing it. If you're doing things like Cyber Essentials, actually, it's going to demand that you do MFA where you yes. can. Um, you know, educate, make sure people understand why we're doing it, yeah. why it's important, that communication's essential. And then I think try and be smart, you know, be be, be smart around it, um, you know, and, and educate people in terms of we will ask for MFA when it's necessary, um, but also perhaps encourage people that you should be using MFA in your personal life as well because it will make your you know personal information much more secure so mm -hmm. you know mfa all of the things um all of the time i think is probably the yeah. the thing we should take away so um so guys well, thanks for that i think that's, that's been a great chat and uh, if you've enjoyed this chat and you want to make sure you catch all episodes of tech takeaways and do subscribe uh, you can subscribe in all of the usual places including here on youtube uh, and all good homes of podcasts and potentially some bad homes of podcasts as well um, but until next time thanks for watching